Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. All righty, welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. My name is Jared St. Clair. So good to have you with me today. Okay, so let's talk about health, though. Let's talk about health. Let's talk about marketing on today's Morning Rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Yes, it is time for the morning rant, and we're going to talk about Pepsi. You know, there's that song that uh, was put out by that skate punk band, Suicidal Tendencies, back in the, uh, I'm going to say early 90s, possibly late 80s, I don't remember for sure. Uh, Institutionalized. I should have had Patrick cue that thing up. Maybe he can find it before the end of this rant. But uh, Institutionalized had this great line where this teenage boy was yelling at his mom because she was yelling at him, and he says, I'm not crazy. You're the one that's crazy. All I wanted was a Pepsi. And you wouldn't give it to me. And that in and of itself is kind of funny, but it's also a little crazy because Pepsi is so bad for you, right? So maybe you are crazy for drinking it, but what's going on with Pepsi? You know, the federal government, county governments, state governments, New York City, uh, Manhattan, you can't even buy a Pepsi over 16 ounces anymore because uh, they passed a law about that. So if you want 32 ounces of soda, you got to buy two 16-ouncers to make that happen. Yeah, the government's starting to crack down on this stuff and saying, hey, man, it's fueling the obesity epidemic. And so Pepsi and Coke and, of course, the littler guys, they're getting kind of chewed up and spit out uh, in terms of publicity right now. They say no publicity is bad publicity. Eh, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's not true. Sales are down on soda and diet soda especially right now. And uh, we're, we're now lower than they've been in the last 30 years by quite a bit. And so these companies are starting to take notice and say, maybe we should change something. So PepsiCo has announced something new that they're doing with their drinks. They have set a target for reducing the amount of sugar in their soft drinks around the world as part of a suite of goals aimed at tackling problems ranging from obesity to climate change. How about that? They're covering all the bases. The New York-based company will announce on Monday that by 2025, at least two-thirds of its drinks will have 100 calories or fewer from added sugar per 12-ounce serving. 
That's up from about 40% now. The move, which it plans to achieve by introducing more zero and low-calorie drinks and reformulating existing drinks, comes as PepsiCo and rival Coca-Cola come under increasing pressure from health experts and governments who blame them for fueling epidemics of obesity and diabetes. So, that's what's going on. Now, Pepsi says, hey, we've, we had goals. We already had goals, but we're setting new goals. They're old goals were to reduce sugar by 25% in certain drinks and in certain markets by 2020. Now they've extended that out to 2025, so they've got you know eight and a half years to do it. And um, that's just one of the ridiculous parts of this little statement. So Reuters brought this to me and, uh, and, and to you, and I uh, read what they had to say. Now, this is what I have to say. So there are three major ridiculous pieces to discuss here. 66% of their drinks will be 100 calories or less in eight years. So that's a long time, right? I mean, this is a big company. They have to move kind of slowly. I get that. They're not as light and nimble as some of these local places could be. But eight years to make that happen? That sounds like a lot of publicity right now and not a lot of action. And they're going to go from 40% of their drinks at 100 calories or less all the way up to 66%. That's not, I mean, I guess it's an increase, but it's, you know, eight years. They're going to go up that much. It doesn't seem all that impressive to me. But that's not even important because what's important is what are they actually doing over the next eight years? Their goal of more zero and low-calorie offerings doesn't really mean anything at all about the health benefits or detractions, I guess you could say, of these drinks. Because low-calorie and zero-calorie has been proven to be maybe not so good. You get these artificial sweeteners in there, and over the last five years or so, we've had a bunch of studies saying that diet soda actually makes you fatter than regular soda. There's a lot of reasons for that, and we've discussed them here on Vitality Radio. But the biggest one is that People think that if they have a diet soda, they're okay with their fries and their cheeseburger. And the other one is that it signals the body thinking the body's getting sugar. The body doesn't get sugar, so the body craves more sugar and releases insulin that it didn't need to release. And there are a whole bunch of other things. And frankly, in science, they're still trying to figure out why it happens. But what we do know now, without any real doubt, is that it does happen. You get fatter on low calories. So how does reducing their calories really help you when it comes to soda? Well, perhaps it doesn't, but it does sound good, right? So we're back to marketing again. Now, what about the motivation? Because Reuters says they're motivated by pressure from government agencies, and I would say that kind of, but really, what are they pressured by? Because what government agencies are saying versus what government agencies are doing is what real, where, where really the truth lies, because when a government agency says, you can't sell a soda that's 16 ounces or bigger inside our city, then Pepsi starts to take notice, because they'd far more prefer, right, to sell bigger sodas. And so what we have here is we have pressure that is called economic pressure, and it's not just coming from the government, it's coming from people. Because what's happened is, over the last few quarters, soda sales are down 80, or sorry, 8%. Not 80. Now, I wish it was 80. That would be awesome. But 8%, that's still a big number. That's a lots of millions of dollars. And 
organic and natural drinks are up close to 30% during that time period. So what have I been saying all this time? You got to vote with your wallet, right? If you want these options, you got to buy these options. And the more organic and natural we buy, the more will be produced. I mean, all you've got to do is walk around the aisles of Costco to see all these highlighted items that are organic. They've got a ton of them over there. They didn't used to, but they do now because people want them. So keep demanding it. It's you that drives these changes. And while this change at PepsiCo is probably a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors, it still signals some level of positive change. And these companies, even the big nasty ones, are saying, uh-oh, we got to change some stuff or we going to lose some money. So listen, in the immortal words of Mike Muir, all I wanted was a Pepsi. You got that, Patrick? Maybe. It's not going to play, is it? YouTube. Oh, there it goes. So if you never heard this song, this, this song is all about this guy. He's talking to his mom, and his mom's saying, we're going to put you in an institution. He says, I don't want to be in an institution. I just want a Pepsi. Anyway, it's a crazy song. It came out when I was a kid, and every time I hear the word Pepsi, <laughs> every time I hear the word Pepsi, I think of this song. So maybe you will now. Anyway, that's the rant for today. Don't believe what PepsiCo says. Believe what they do. What they're doing isn't much. And really, in reality, our best bet is just to steer clear of most of the things manufactured by that company. I believe that would be our best bet when it comes to our health. Now, today on Vitality Radio, I have a rant part two. We're going to go to a break. When I come back, we're going to talk about scary stories of sleep and sleep drugs. That's next. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, on Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is we don't just sell supplements. We consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. 
All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am Jared St. Clair. I'm your host each and every Saturday morning. Hey, thank you for listening to Vitality Radio. I sure appreciate it. Thank you for going to our Facebook page and making comments. I appreciate that. I vow from this day forward to be more active on Facebook. I posted some stuff today. I'll post some articles after the show as well. Facebook.com slash Vitality Radio. Okay, now back to rant number two. I'm not going to play that rant uh, drop again because we got to get into this. we got a lot to talk about. But I am doing a two-part rant today. And so for those of you who come up to me and say, hey, man, my favorite part of your show is your rant, yeah, you're welcome. We're going to talk about something scary, and that is a drug called Ambien. Have you ever heard of it? Well, you probably have. You probably know what it is. It is out there. I mean, it's out there in a big way. It's one of the top 10 drugs prescribed in this country. It is the number one sleep drug prescribed by a mile. It came out in 1992, so it's been with us for a while. And one of the things that we found is that, like most drugs, it has more side effects than they once thought. In fact, Ambien has received three, and maybe it's two, I think there's three, updates to its label since it came out. The warning part of the label saying, whoa, things aren't quite, well, um, Ambien might be dangerous, and I'm going to share with you some of those things. If you are using Ambien and it works well for you, I'm going to tell you why you might want to consider other options, and I'm going to give you some options that you could give a shot. Now, Ambien works really, really well for most people. In fact, it's one of the most effective prescription drugs out there at doing what it says it does. But it comes at a price, and that's what we're going to talk about during rant number two. So, all you got to <laughs> all you got to do is type in the words "Ambien is scary," which I did on Google, and you will find page after page after page of personal stories about Ambien being scary. And I had to pick one, and I don't. None of this has been vetted. This could be somebody making this up, but it sounds like Ambien to me. There are others that have been absolutely vetted, and I'm going to bring those to you in a minute. But this one I had to start with. I tried Ambien for a while, says this uh, anonymous person. I would take it about 30 minutes before going to bed and browse around online, waiting for it to kick in. I started receiving packages from Amazon that I didn't order. It was all good stuff that I liked, so I called around to family and friends trying to figure out who was so kind to send me stuff. When my credit card bill came, everything was on there. Thankfully, nothing I couldn't afford. I checked my Amazon account, and apparently I ordered them myself while I was sleeping. Thanks, Ambien. I stopped taking it for fear of what else I might do. This is really... A funny little story and and maybe not a bad idea i mean what what if you're one of those people who has this big amazon wish list and you're a cheapskate and you're like i can't i can't do that and you're just one you know maybe you're buying stuff for everybody else you're never buying stuff for yourself maybe this ambient thing could work for you maybe you could enhance your life with more stuff you don't need from amazon i don't know but there are some other things with ambient we need to be cautious about after taking Ambien, according to the warning in the packaging, after taking Ambien, you may get up out of bed while not feeling fully awake and do an activity that you do not know you are doing. The next morning, you may not remember that you did anything during the night. Reported activities include the following. Driving a car, sleep driving, 
making and eating food, talking on the phone, having sex, sleepwalking. It, does that bother you at all <laughs> when you read that? <laughs> that those are the things that you may do while you're under the influence of Amazon? Oh, wait, Ambien. Did I get that? Wait, Amazon? Am- Ooh, that's confusing. Because when you're under the influence of Ambien, you might be on Amazon buying stuff. As well as talking on the phone. What are you going to say on the phone when you're under the influence of Ambien? Maybe the truth, and that might hurt people's feelings. Making and eating food. Sleep driving. Yeah, that's a scary one. The Ambien defense was used in a case by Julie Ann Bronson, a 45-year-old flight attendant from Texan, Texas. Sorry, In April of 2009, Bronson took a couple of Ambien to help her sleep. She had been drinking wine earlier in the day and went to bed early. She awoke the following morning in jail, still in her pajamas, barefoot and terrified. When she was told that she had run over three people, including an 18-month-old girl who suffered severe brain damage as a result of the wreck, she was horrified. It was surreal. It was like a bad dream, she said. In May of 2012, Bronson pleaded guilty to the felonies of intoxication, assault, and failure to stop and render aid. I did the crime, but I never intended to do it, she testified. I wouldn't hurt a flea, and if I would have hit somebody, I would have stopped and helped. We're trained in CPR. Bronson faced 10 years, but because of the Ambien defense, she will serve six months in prison and have 10 years of probation. But you may be thinking that these side effects are so rare. You know, what's more typical with Ambien? Well, what did Drugs.com and WebMD say? Ambien may impair your thinking or reactions. You may still feel sleepy and, or sorry, the morning after taking this medicine, especially if you take the extended release tablet or if you are a woman. Wait at least four hours or until you are fully awake before you do anything that requires you to be awake and alert. You may feel alert but not think clearly enough to drive. You may also experience dizziness or blurred or double vision. Wait at least eight hours after taking this drug before driving. And do not drive, use machinery, or do any activity that requires alertness until you are sure you can perform such activities safely. There are some who actually say don't drive at all the day after taking Ambien. In fact, 21% of car accidents in this country involve a drowsy driver. And that can be any kind of drowsy driver. Why? Someone who doesn't sleep because they're not on Ambien and couldn't sleep, and someone who does because they are on Ambien. And now they're still a little stoned when they wake up in the morning. So that's Ambien. And Ambien, of course, is, is this amazing wonder drug for sleep. And uh, it's, well, really effective. So effective that it's kind of scary. So what if you don't do Ambien? What if you try something over the counter like a Tylenol PM or a Benadryl? Benadryl, sorry. Now, Benadryl, keep in mind that it's uh, marketed, um, so, so boy, I'm going to get it wrong. Somonex, I believe it is. It is also Benadryl, um, the same drug, but uh, marketed for a sleep aid as opposed to an allergy drug. Now, if you've ever used Benadryl, you know that it can kind of knock you out, make you really tired. Well, that's why they use it as a sleep aid. But what did a study recently find 
that's pretty scary on this one, and it backs up a, several other studies that have been done as well. A team led by Shelley Gray, a pharmacist at the University of Washington School of Pharmacy, tracked nearly 3,500 men and women ages 65 and older who took part in Adult Changes in Thought, a long-term study conducted by the University of Washington and Group Health. They used Group Health's pharmacy records to determine all the drugs, both prescription and over-the-counter, that each participant took the 10 years before starting the study. Participants' health was tracked for an average of seven years. During that time, 800 of the volunteers developed dementia. When the researchers examined the use of anticholinergic drugs, they found that people who used these drugs also known as Benadryl, were more likely to have developed dementia as those who didn't use them. Moreover, dementia risk increased along with the cumulative dose. In other words, the more you took for the longer period of time, the worse the likelihood of dementia became. But what are the actual numbers? Get this. Taking one of these drugs for the equivalent of three years or more was associated with a 54% higher dementia risk than taking the same dose for three months or less. So in other words, short-term use, eh, maybe not so bad, but long-term use, not good at all. Dementia? Do you know someone with dementia? Dementia? Have you known someone with dementia? Because if you have, and I have, it's not the way you want to end your life here on this earth, not knowing what the heck's going on. Dementia is a tough one. It's one of the saddest of all illnesses, in my opinion. So what do you do? What do you do when, if you're on one of these drugs? Well, one thing that I thought was awesome, because you don't see this enough. This was, a, this was not an alternative website uh, where I got this information from. Um, and the, this doctor, Sarah Berry, who is a uh, geriatrician, right, so working with older folks, this study is another reminder, she says, to periodically evaluate all the drugs you're taking. For instance, I've seen people who have been on these drugs for bladder control for years, and they are completely incontinent. So those drugs obviously aren't helping. In other words, a lot of times you just go on stuff, right? You go on drugs because your doctor said, let's try this drug. Maybe you get results initially, maybe you don't. But at some point, it's really important to reevaluate what you're on and decide, do I even need to be on this? I can't tell you how many people come into Vitality and say, hey, I'm on this drug and this drug and this is for this and this is for that. And I say, well, is it helping? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's helping. I mean, I've been on it for years. One of the big things about these drugs is the cumulative effect. And in the case of Benadryl, an over-the-counter drug the cumulative effect might mean dementia for you. Okay, so those are the downsides to the pharmaceutical approach to sleep aids. So what do you need to know about sleep? What what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when I say natural sleep aid? If you said melatonin, then you're probably like about 90% of the other people that I talk to in that way. Now, in the other way, the fact that you're listening to Vitality Radio, you're clearly a step ahead of most people, right? But in that way, you're like most people. They think melatonin. So melatonin is this drug, or is this, sorry, hormone that is sold over the counter. It's kind of like a drug because it's a hormone, but it's considered natural 
because it can be found in nature. Uh, cherries have it and so on. And so it is legal over the counter. You can buy it at any health food store or any drug store. It's cheap. I mean, you can get a you know, two-month supply of melatonin for five or six, seven bucks, depending on the potency. And it works pretty well for some people. But let's talk about what might really be going on with your sleep. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the odds are it's not a melatonin deficiency that's going on. What might be happening with your sleep is something going on with your circadian rhythms that isn't necessarily related to melatonin, something called the cortisol curve. Now, I talk about it a little bit here and there on Vitality Radio, but I want to dive into it deeper. You've heard the commercial, if you've listened to the show before, uh, for Vital Sleep. It talks about the cortisol curve. A few years ago, when I was prepping for Vitality Radio, um, one Saturday morning or Friday night or whatever it was, I found some information on this cortisol curve. And at that point, I knew what cortisol was. I pretty much knew its action in the body. I didn't know its cycle. And the cycle is really important, like really, really important. And so what is the cycle for the cortisol curve? What does it really look like? Well, I posted a picture of it on Facebook, facebook.com slash vitality radio, if you want to check it out. And the thing about cortisol is that it has this bad reputation, right? So when you think about cortisol, what do you think? Most of you probably are thinking stress or you're thinking weight gain or maybe the inability to lose weight. Those are some of the things that are most commonly associated with cortisol. But, you know, cortisol is like anything else that's produced by our body. As a general rule, these things have a real purpose, a positive purpose. They're really, really good for you when they're doing what they're supposed to do. Cortisol is known as the fight-or-flight hormone, right? It is a stress hormone telling us that uh, we got to get going when we're under stress. Maybe that's stress because, you know, we're literally got to get going, jump off the track before the train hits. Or maybe it's stress like we got to get this deadline met, uh, something at work, or it could be any number of other stressors. But cortisol is real. And it is released when we're under stress. But let's just say you have a calm day. Life is good. You're relaxing. The sun is shining. You're feeling good, man. Life is good. What does cortisol do then? Well, under normal circumstances, it raises at its peak. It's, oh, sorry, it hits its deepest depth at around 3 a.m. And it hits its peak at around 8 a.m., typically. Why is that? Well, because our soundest sleep is happening at that time of the morning for most of us, around 3 a.m., and we're wide awake, or ought to be, at about 8 a.m., all right? So, that's how cortisol is supposed to work. But what if that shifts a little bit? Because what cortisol looks like, if you can visualize for me, if you're not on Facebook and looking at that little chart that I posted, it kind of goes up at that peak, so it goes up fairly steeply between 3 a.m. And, and 8 a.m., and then it starts to just slowly slope down all the way down until it gets back to 3 a.m. again. Just kind of a slow curve down, real steady. And that means that it's waking you up in the morning, and its absence is helping you to calm down at night. And so it plays this huge role in sleep. 
because cortisol is a major stimulant in the body. It tells your body, let's get going. So what if that curve changes? What if it shifts? What if it becomes unnaturally high all the time, or it's high in the morning, or it's high in the afternoon? Then what? You know, cortisol is actually really interesting, and I love this this uh, article that I read that was on... Uh, I can find the... Oh, shoot. I'm not going to be able to give them their, their due. I'll post it on our, our Facebook page. Um, but a uh, fantastic article that I read on this, and there was just one comment I wanted to, I wanted to read out of the article that I loved. It said that it's, it's basically like a slow-release energy pill that wears off just in time for bed. So do you feel that way? Do you feel alive and energized first thing in the morning? And then slowly but surely just kind of calming down as the day goes on? My guess, probably not if you're like most people. So if you don't sleep well, of course, you can blame your lack of sleep on a lot of things. And you can blame the symptoms of lack of sleep on your lack of sleep, low energy and so on and so forth. But what a lot of people are missing is this whole cortisol thing. Let's go back to Ambien for a minute. How does Ambien work? Ambien works by uh, manipulating GABA, GABA receptors in the body. GABA is the inhibitory neurotransmitter that makes your brain calm. Makes you, it, it quiets mental stress, basically, and uh, overreaction in the brain to, to mental stimulus. And so it calms the mind. But Ambien doesn't calm the body, which is part of the reason why you can get up and drive and run over people potentially or go on a shooting spree. That's happened too with Ambien. It's kind of an interesting thing because it overrides what's really going on in your body. It doesn't solve anything. If cortisol is your problem, and I am willing to submit uh, into your thought process that if you struggle with sleep because you can't turn off your mind due to mental stress, you're thinking too much, you're going over checklists in your head, you're trying to figure out what you're going to get done tomorrow and how you're going to get it all done, those types of things, that the cortisol curve may be what's going on. Are you one of these people who at 9 or 10 o'clock at night is getting their second wind mentally? And saying, man, now I can get stuff done. And the cortisol curve might be a little shifted for you. So, what is this? how does this look? High early morning cortisol levels, okay? What does that look like? You rarely sleep through the night. Your mind is racing the moment you wake up, whether it's middle of the night or when you first get up in the morning. You're edgy and sometimes even confrontational in the mornings. Your energy crashes and burns sometime around mid-morning or maybe early afternoon. That's what high early morning cortisol levels look like if they're too high. High cortisol levels throughout the day. That looks like this. You're constantly behind schedule and racing to catch up. You're exhausted and hyper at the same time. People comment about how fast you talk. Does this sound like me? You're easily irritated and feel like enthusiasm or sorry, feel little enthusiasm for anything. That's high general cortisol levels. And then high evening cortisol levels look like this. You're falling asleep, or sorry, falling asleep nearly impossible and can take hours. You worry in the evenings or feel especially argumentative. 
you distract yourself by spending a lot of time online, watching TV, working out late at night, which can also lead to self-defeating cycle or even higher evening cortisol. So what do you do if you fall into one of those categories? How do you solve it? Well, there are some interesting things here. Uh, your diet, believe it or not, can play a role. Let's go to some of the most simple things, though, that we talked about on Vitality Radio before. Calming your body, bringing peace into your life is a huge thing for any of this stuff. So I submit meditation as an option, yoga, things that I don't do very well or very often, but are very good for you. Calm your mind, calm your body, relax, take it easy, let your body rest even when you're not sleeping. That helps. Clinically, we've found that low-carb diets, which are very popular for weight loss, may not be optimal for someone who has disrupted cortisol, at least not consistently low-carb all day. In 2014, a clinical trial was done, and subjects with cortisol issues were able to reset their curves by eating low-carb breakfasts, moderate amounts of healthy carbs in the afternoon, and higher amounts of healthy carbs. And we say healthy carbs, think things like sweet potatoes, not pasta, bread, or sugar, in the evening. So in other words, what you're doing is eating for your cortisol levels, because low carbs keep cortisol levels lower, or sorry, higher, and high carbs keep them lower. And so when you eat higher carbs in the evening, healthier, stable carbs, it helps to keep the cortisol down. When you eat lower carbs in the morning, it keeps the cortisol levels up where they should be in the morning. And then moderate amounts throughout the day because cortisol is slowly dipping through the day as it should. The endocrinologist Alan Christiansen was the author of the Adrenal Reset Diet. He directed the trial. And he now prescribes this carb cycling protocol to his patients who are dealing with any type of cortisol disruption. It's really interesting. He says, imagine a seesaw. Higher carb meals drop the cortisol. Lower carb meals allow the cortisol to stay higher. This is because carbs elevate blood sugar, so the pancreas makes more insulin to manage the increase. Insulin decreases cortisol output, and blood sugar goes up. Cortisol gets pushed down. So that's how that works. So carb cycling, that's something very interesting that I just recently found out about myself. I'll have to play around with that a little bit. Now, I'm going to cut to a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to finish up this topic of how you can find better sleep. We're going to talk about different supplement options if you're trying to stay away from the pharmaceuticals. Remember, Ambien works on GABA. We'll talk about why people don't just use GABA. And a few other things that you can do to assist in your natural sleep patterns you can get off those drugs if you're on them or stay away from them if you're not. That's what's next coming up. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, on Vitality Radio. Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy. Refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of Me Too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label, but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is, everything you need, nothing you don't. 
While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason, to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout. Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgents pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a megadose of stimulants. Insurgents pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, refuse to conform and join the insurgents. For more information about Insurgents Pre-Workout, call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am Jared St. Clair, and I'm your host each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. I sure appreciate the time you give me listening to me babble on about health and nutrition and all that stuff. Hopefully this show has been useful for you, and uh, I hope that uh, if you have questions, you will reach out to us at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. You can call us 801 292 6662 is the number. All right, so back to this cortisol thing and sleep. Let's talk about the nutrition for cortisol. What does your body need to balance cortisol, to nourish the adrenal glands so they can do what they need to do? We already talked about the carb cycling. How about supplements? Omega-3 fatty acids are a big deal. In fact, they've clinically proven uh, in a study in the International uh, Journal of Sports Medicine, 2,400 milligrams of omega-3s for six weeks lowered morning cortisol levels and showed leaner body mass. So that uh, helped keep things under control uh, with the uh, cortisol in the morning if it's too high and you're kind of agitated and irritable like we talked about. But omega-3s play a critical role in all hormone production, so that's not surprising. But vitamin C and vitamin B5, known as panathenic acid, are a big deal. In fact, vitamin B complex is optimal. Uh, it'll have the panathenic acid in it as well as other B vitamins to help uh, with stress and anxiety, cortisol overall, as well as vitamin C. So those have been shown to be useful. But when we're talking about sleep, there are some other things that factor in here because this cortisol thing is about sleep, it's about stress, it's about weight loss. There's a lot of factors. When we're talking about sleep, we're looking at what is going on in your brain when you're trying to sleep. Because if you're having a hard time sleeping because your mind is stimulated, then that is oftentimes those hormones and neurotransmitters saying, wake up, man, wake up. And uh, you're not supposed to be awake. It's 2 a.m. But your brain's awake. And so we got to get on top of that. So why does Ambien work in a sustained release form? It works because it... Re it uh, in or sorry increases GABA in the brain well GABA is gamma amino butyric acid and that's a natural substance it's supposed to be in the brain and it calms overreaction in the mind it's amazing stuff there's a clinical form of GABA that's been proven to do exactly what 
Ambien actually does, other than it's not hypnotic like Ambien is. But it does still calm the mind. It's called Pharmagaba, or Pharmagaba, depending on who you ask. And it's amazing. It comes in a chewable tablet. You chew on, on it, and there's two ways you can use this. You can use it before you go to bed at night. You can use it if you wake up at 2 in the morning, 3 or 4 or whatever. And it's not a sedative. In fact, it helps with mental focus and clarity, which allows for you to calm your mind without knocking you out, which means you can even use it during the day, and you can get up and drive afterwards. How about that? So GABA is awesome. Another one that I find really effective is something called L-theanine, also available in a chewable tablet. And I usually recommend that you try both, uh, not together, but separately, and kind of weigh them out, because theanine naturally increases GABA, and it also helps with uh, mental anxiety in, in another way as well. So the combination sometimes can work great, or one or the other can work great. One thing that I do before every show now is I chew on a tablet of theanine and a tablet of GABA as I'm doing my final prep for the show because I tend to be a little high cortisol in the morning, a little wired uh, mentally, and it helps me focus in on the task at hand instead of thinking of the other 10 things i got to do after the show is over. So that's very, very useful during the day or in the evening. Also, if you've got kids or grandkids that struggle with focus in the classroom, Oh, my. GABA. Amazing for them. So definitely worth a try. I uh, developed a product called Vital Sleep years ago after I first learned about the cortisol curve. You've heard the commercial here on Vitality Radio. It's a combination of several things. One is a cortisol reducer called ashwagandha. In clinical studies, ashwagandha has been shown to have as much as a 26% uh, decrease in cortisol in the blood within 30 to 60 minutes of taking ashwagandha. It's an herb. It's an adaptogen. It's one of the most critical herbs in Indian medicine. And they find that it truly is beautiful in terms of how it makes you feel. It gives you this sort of feeling of well-being and in control, which makes sense because as it reduces the cortisol, you don't feel frazzled and like you've got to be in a hurry for everything. Uh, Vital Sleep contains that. It contains GABA and lemon balm as well as theanine to help calm the mind. It has some herbs that calm the body, and it does have a little melatonin in, in case you need that as well. So really, really effective formula if you're looking for something that sort of covers all those bases. But again, back to B-complex, vitamin C, omega-3s. You have to always make sure the nutrition is there first. Another thing that's critical, and it's a big deal, is staying hydrated. Dehydration is really bad for sleep. Uh, A lot of people don't think about that, but it actually plays a major role because when we're dehydrated, we tend to feel anxious faster. We tend to have higher cortisol levels when we're dehydrated, and we tend to sleep less well. So drinking plenty of water and adding minerals to your water can make a big difference difference. Another thing that's interesting, maybe you haven't tried it, but if you're an athlete and you're looking for things to enhance recovery, drinking water with some trace minerals and some branched chain amino acids added to it can make a big, big difference in your muscle recovery levels and your growth hormone levels while you sleep, which helps to deepen your sleep and helps with muscle recovery and makes you feel better when you wake up. So that's another option. If you're looking to lose some weight while you sleep, is that possible? You're not active, right? Well, yeah, it's possible. In fact, we do lose weight every night when we sleep, don't we? You get on the scale before you go to bed and and you get up in the morning. And of course, some of that's water weight. There's a variety of things that are happening there. But one thing that is happening is our body's trying to repair the muscle that's been broken down during the previous day. And it's going into recovery mode, especially when we get that deep REM sleep. There's a product called Nightburn 
that is really, really cool. It basically does what Vital Sleep does, I was talking about, but minus the melatonin. It's not a sedative. You can take it during the day, and it won't make you sleepy, and it feels really good. When you wake up, you wake up alert, rested, feeling like you're ready to go, but not stressed and anxious. Really, really cool stuff, Nightburn. And... It uh, seems to help people lose some weight as well. So you've got some real nice advantages there. So there are a lot of different things. One other little thing that um, was brought up in some of the things that I was reading is that you do need to time your workouts. If you have a hard time with sleep, the type of workout you do at night can play a big role. You know, a big spin class or a real extensive workout for some people does okay. They can sleep great after that. But a lot of people, it actually kind of wires you a little bit. Because it is putting the body into a stressed mode, meaning it's going to raise cortisol. And if you've got this cortisol curve problem, working out in the morning would probably be dramatically more useful for you than working out at night. Nighttime exercise would be low-impact stuff like yoga. Uh, like I said, doing things like meditation, those kind of things to calm things down. So anyway, a lot of different options. If you're interested in the, this information, I'm going to post a couple of really good articles that I found on this on Vitality Radio's web, or, or, sorry, um, Facebook page, and uh, I think you'll uh, really enjoy those. If you have questions, as always, come into Vitality, talk to us. I'm there most of the time. You can catch me. If you would like to do a consult with me, I'm now doing free consultations. I've had quite a few requests for these. They take about 15 minutes is is, uh, the amount of time that I allot for them. But you can come in, and for 15 minutes, you can kind of lay things out on the table, tell me what you're doing, what you're concerned about, and I can try and help you figure out what you should do next. I know a lot of what I bring to you on Vitality Radio is condensed and sometimes doesn't apply exactly to you, but I can help you figure out how to apply that and would be would love to do that so if you want a free consult give us a call 801-292-6662 is where you would call to arrange for that ask for anybody there to uh, put you on my calendar and they'll get you in within the next couple of weeks as always i love that anybody's willing to listen to my radio show thank you so much for tuning into vitality radio if you like what you hear go tell somebody okay that's vitality radio for this week join us on facebook to read the articles that i pulled some of the information from i'll put a little synopsis on there as well thank you so much for listening to me my name is jared st Clair, and this has been vitality radio been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, 
or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.